great. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, there we go. Uh, Sonic, what are you drinking today? That is um, a Mango Loco Monster. <laughs> oh. I'm starting um, healthy today with some fruit juice. <laughs> Gotta get my vitamin C in. Uh, sure. So, I've been doing a lot of research for most of my life. Okay. <laughs> and, uh... Realize when you when you work too hard on on doing a lot of research into a topic, you get a thing I've referred to as research brain, mm-hmm. where you just like you you've lost the plot because you keep <laughs> you keep turning into these holes. It's it's kind of like yes. it's kind of like getting sucked down a Wikipedia hole. Oh, that's the worst. Has that ever happened to you? So many. Yes, you end up so many pages away from like where where you started out. Like if you're looking at Miley Cyrus, and then suddenly you're on the Beatles <laughs> page, and <laughs> you can't really explain why. I've put together a thing to try and try and give you a a taste of <laughs> the, the 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 research brain that I've been suffering for a while now. Okay. So here, it doesn't go anywhere. It just keeps circling back on itself like a drain. <laughs> Good. So we'll start simple. Have you ever heard of a band called Queen? <laughs> yes, I have heard of that band. Great. So they made an album in 1989 called The Miracle. Mm-hmm. And famously on that album is a song, a real fucking banger of a song, called Khashoggi's ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Khashoggi's ship refers to the yacht owned by Saudi billionaire Adnan Khashoggi. The yacht was called the Nabila. Okay. Now, Adnan Khashoggi's father was the personal physician to the founder of Saudi Arabia, King Abdulaziz Al Saud. Okay. He was a surgeon, and, you know, it's somewhere in there you could make a joke that uh, he cut open the king a few times, so something, 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 future. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know, fill in the rest of that joke yourself. Okay. Um, so, Adnan Khashoggi made his money by being an arms dealer, particularly mm-hmm. by selling weapons to the Iranian government on behalf of the U.S. government, who then used that money to finance contra terror squads in Nicaragua. Okay. Uh, now, Adnan Khashoggi, you might recognize, is the uncle to Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi, who was dismembered at the behest of the Saudi prince, Mohammed oh, bin Salman. <laughs> oh, God. So you could say Khashoggi's grandfather cut apart the king, and... Uh, his grandson cut apart the <laughs> grandson. Oh my god. <laughs> now, the Nabila, one? the boat that Queen was singing about for some goddamn reason, mm-hmm. was sold to the Sultan of Brunei. Okay. Who then resold it two years later to a man named Donald Trump. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> Okay. Who rechristened it the Trump Princess? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the original name of the boat was what? The Nabila. Does that have? Is what does that mean? The fuck if I know. I don't speak Arabic. Okay, I thought maybe you had also researched that, but because nope. I'm just wondering <laughs> where, like, maybe it means something, and Trump was like, "I'm gonna." It, I Trump don't give a fuck with the meaning of anything. Understand the Trump princess. He wants his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, as many people might know, Trump for many years was a close associate of a man named Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. He was quoted in a magazine saying, quote, I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It's said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do. And many of them are on the younger side. That was in a magazine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ew. Ew. Now, Jeffrey Epstein's longtime girlfriend and co-conspirator in his pedophile ring was Ghislaine Maxwell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ghislaine <laughs> <laughs> Max- Maxwell is the daughter of a man named Robert Maxwell, who was a former member of parliament, a corporate embezzler, and many people suspect a Mossad agent. (laughs) Now, (laughs) now, Maxwell died under very mysterious circumstances while aboard his yacht, the Lady Mm. Ghislaine, off the Mm. coast of the Canary Islands in Spain. Sure. The Lady Ghislaine, he had purchased this boat from Imad Khashoggi, Jamal's cousin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you see what i mean about how this is not going anywhere it's just circling in on itself i do i do <laughs> okay so another one of jamal's cousins was a man named dodi fayed no who was the romantic partner of princess diana <laughs> Much like Robert Maxwell, they died under fairly mysterious circumstances, and their deaths, much like Robert Maxwell's, have become a hotbed of conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Many people believe that their deaths had been orchestrated by Prince Philip, the husband of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, get Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Going back to, que- going back to Queen. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why we... <laughs> That's why we emphasize that. I was like, yeah, she was the queen. She's been the queen. (laughs) What are you talking about? Yes. I'm doing thematic resonance here. It's good. (laughs) And as we all know, one of Prince Philip's sons is Prince Andrew, a man who is currently being sued by one of Jeffrey Epstein's trafficking victims who claimed that she was ordered by Epstein multiple times to have sex with the prince while she was a minor. (sighs) Oh, okay. <laughs> what does any of this mean? Yeah. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it means that the yachts are cursed. Cursed. Do not buy a yacht from a Khashoggi. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't, don't do it. Um, or it could mean that some people who have the amount of wealth in order to have a yacht, are bad. Are all pedophiles. 
<laughs> Everyone is a pedophile. Or a Mossad. <laughs> That's the moral of this story. I'm not going to say is a one-to-one equivalent. <laughs> but they're pretty close. But... <laughs> Um, I did look up the name of the Nabila, and it, it does mean noble. So, just noble potato, potato. Trump prince. <laughs> <laughs> pretty lateral translation, I think. Oh yeah. Oh my god, we're back. Oh, here we oh are. The two of us. Back again. <laughs> Welcome back to Das K-Popital, the leftist K-pop podcast. <laughs> For season two. Season two <laughs> premiere. If we say that, then it sounds like we didn't just take six months off. It'll sound like, oh, they they were they were in between seasons. <laughs> we were just like really busy cultivating some fun, new, exciting content for everybody. Um, not you having in the content mines <laughs> breakdowns. <laughs> no. Absolutely no mental crises occurred at any point in the past six months. <laughs> we are all mentally healthy here in this place, podcast, room. And uh, this season we're back, we're better than ever, asking the hard-hitting questions like, am I original? <laughs> Uh, am I the only one? Am I sexual? <laughs> am I everything you need? Mm-hmm. Mm. Who who was the 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 great philosopher or philosophers? I guess who posed those questions? Right. Uh, I believe that was the famed. Scottish Enlightenment thinker Chris Kirkpatrick. <laughs> oh yes, I remember him from his. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The answer to all those questions is no, probably. <laughs> so. Damn. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> Done. <laughs> uh, so now that we're back, um, shall we do some musical re- uh, recommendations? <laughs> yes. Do you, do you have, what have you been listening to? That. Great. Um... <laughs> You've had six months. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Everyone just hold on. <laughs> um, what no, have I been There's listening? no editing. There's no <laughs> editing in this. We can't edit anything out. Like, you have to have it. We're now. alive. <laughs> no. Okay, well, well, recently, um, uh-huh. as we had discussed in our little group chat, Lil Nas X put out an album. So, like, the past day, I've been listening to that. Wait, were you... <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. 
So I thought you were going to do the K-pop that. one. I, I'm, I'm a little oh, off. Okay. I'm doing K-pop? Oh, no. I'm, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Everyone's going to find oh, out we didn't do any planning. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's, that was a joke, guys. and uh, this is supposed to be perfectly planned. <laughs> that was just a little bit that we had rehearsed. We are on top of it. Um, no, that's easy, though. CL spicy done. Wow, that's probably like the most recent song I've discovered in K-pop. The least which... surprising answer I could have expected is another CL song. <laughs> it's all. It will always be CL. It's only CL for me. How dare you snub Lisa? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just no love. Well, I mean, Lisa was. It came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happened. It it was an event that occurred. Um, but I'm still gonna stick with "Spicy" by CL. <laughs> it was a song. It entered my ears. I did listen <laughs> once. Once I did, and that was good. That was good. Although. Mm-hmm. There is a new NCT 127 song out, not song, album, I think, um, that I have not listened to in its entirety yet, but there were, there were good and not good songs so far, but (laughs) (laughs) but I'll have to give you more reviews on that at a later date. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. I just got distracted because I know which song I'm picking. And I oh, just looked no. at the, the lyrics, and it just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> what is it? Don't keep us in suspense. Tell oh, us no. now. So, my official selection, uh, mm-hmm. the the Blue Ribbon Prize, Prime Choice, official seal of approval from both of us on this podcast. My recommendation is a song called You Can Do It by Caribou. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just... I'll just look it up. And the video is entirely nothing but dogs catching frisbees. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my god. (laughs) I'm so into that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, they're so cute! (laughs) It's such a good video. (laughs) I really like the lyrics. I feel like they really put a lot of thought into them. There's a lot of creative um, (laughs) mechanisms. Just really good references in there. So good. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of uh, literary references to past works. Yeah, we see the influence of famed English poet William Blake. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Um, (laughs) It's really good. I can't wait to listen to this song. (laughs) I, I can't describe it other than just makes me feel good (laughs) (laughs) i like it i just i feel like it might be like maybe this is just a song i listen to in the mornings 
You know, watch the it, watch the video. It'll it'll get you going. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gives you all the key advice you need to get through the day. <laughs> like you can do it, mm-hmm. and then later on in the song, it's just do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Which is good because there's a difference between ability and action. And I think they cover both those things really well in this song. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, wow. (laughs) How how did you find this song? I've I've been listening to Caribou for a long ass time. (laughs) This is... Without a doubt, probably the memeiest song he's ever made. <laughs> well. <laughs> and I had to go with it. <laughs> that makes sense. I also like that uh, on Spotify, his main picture is him with a dog. So that's good. I mean, he's really connecting the brand. <laughs> the milk of human kindness. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> suck at the teeth of human kindness uh, oh I thought you were saying come 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 is the milk of human kindness <laughs> well <laughs> maybe that too I don't aren't know aren't you guys glad we're back aren't you glad you waited six months for this <laughs> 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 you said everything you hoped for <laughs> Well, listen. I have nothing. I can't. I have nothing to uh, explain or excuse us. But um, we're a good time. I think. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god! I'm I'm drinking a seltzer and just got a little wild there for a second. <clears throat> Too salty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like like a alcoholic one. It's just like lacrosse. <laughs> Um, do you want to do, what do you want to talk about? 9-11 or (laughs) sex crimes? (laughs) 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 You're really bringing in the new season with a fucking bang. (laughs) Did you mean that as a pun? Because that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it works on both of them. We're going to get canceled. Um, <laughs> you know what? We can start with sex crimes because I feel like it's I feel like 9-11 is going to be a bit involved, um, judging from everything I know about 9-11. This is pretty... Um, you, I, I, the amount of shit that I left out <laughs> of my notes could fill several books. Oh my god. <laughs> well, there's... Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I don't know exactly what we're talking about, but I don't think any of it will probably su- surprise me too terribly much. Um, but yeah, no, sex crimes. Uh, Chris Wu. 
who was a part of the group EXO. Uh, he has not been a part of that group for a while. I don't know when he left. It doesn't matter. But he has recently been accused of sexually assaulting. I think she's the, the woman that came forward initially was 17. Um, the, as far as like it being an underage thing, he's in China. I believe the age of consent is like 14. So there's that. Wow. But she, yeah. Really? <laughs> I think so. That's wild. I did not know that. Well, it's pretty. Then again, I'm not, I don't spend my time looking at age of consent laws. <laughs> I'm a libertarian. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're not aware of each of those by country. That's strange. Um, no. I don't think that Korea's is too far off of that or wasn't in the recent past. I don't know if they've changed it. I'm also not a libertarian, everyone. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just am aware of the things that people do sometimes. Anyway, so the Chinese government was kind of, at the beginning of all this, was like, eh, not gonna, we're not going to do anything, basically. Is it because he's famous? Is it because he's famous? I feel like it is. Also, like, it's um, women... And they suck, you know? Like, women are stupid. So, why why do anything to support them? Um, but he was formally arrested uh, in August. He was, like, arrested and then he was, like, formally arrested. So, I don't really know what all that means. But I have not heard anything after that. <sighs> but there have been more women that have come forward saying that basically... Like some of it, like he he promised some of them like jobs and all that kind of stuff, and um, one woman from Los Angeles that has recently come forward. These are all alleged. This is all alleged. Um, claimed that she had gone to one of his parties, um, had her phone taken away, and um, she said that there were like drugs there and that she passed out. And when she awoke, realized that she was sexually assaulted. So, hmm. uh, and it seems like, I believe that all of the women that have come forward were teenagers, but I'm not sure, like, what all their ages. Right. And he's, like, 30. So, that's gross. So, yeah. Is he 30? Damn. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's on CNN. Like, it got that far. So, I think it's kind of a big thing. Thing, not just for in terms of, uh, of the situation that the situation is, is awful and it needs to be addressed but yeah. might kind of reform how China approaches hopefully appro- reforms how they approach rape allegations and all of that kind of stuff but Louis Vuitton <laughs> uh, he was Chris Wu was working he was I don't know modeling doing stuff for them and they, they dropped him as a brand ambassador. So, um, well, they haven't dropped him officially They until the, the findings of the whatever happened. Huh. But yeah. I'm also pretty sure that Louis Vuitton has repeatedly done racist things, I believe. So <laughs> I won't be holding my breath too much on that. They're French, right? Yes. Yeah, they've done racist things. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much any, like, fashion icon 
racist. Has done. I mean, they have a history Absolutely. of racism. <laughs> so it's just a good bet. So yeah, that's kind of like the biggest thing uh, as far as <laughs> things that I think are worth talking about. Um, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Other things have happened. Um, BTS has had a lot of stuff going on. A lot of um, <laughs> they've they've been busy. No, they've. I mean, they've been on the uni- the U.S. charts for like ever. So didn't they do a version of? Butter with Megan Thee Stallion. Yes, they absolutely did. And they went to bat for her because there was something there was something going on with like it couldn't be released. Her part on it couldn't be released and they like fixed it. I don't really know exactly how, but yeah. So God, I love I love <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> I love her so much. And certainly I'm more of a supporter of her than I am of the song Butter. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, same. I mean, I do like the song Butter. It's catchy. You, you know you know who should feature Megan Thee Stallion on a remix? Hmm. Caribou. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. She might be able to bring some... Fresh lyrics <laughs> to the game. <laughs> I'm just imagining her rapping You Can Do It and just like different inflections just over and over and over again. <laughs> <You're> good. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I She's definitely more suited for a remix of, uh, you know, The Milk of Human Kindness. <laughs> Girl. I cannot. (laughs) Who does that? That is a crime against humanity. Ugh. Ugh. I know we're going to talk about 9-1-1, but... Which one? There's plenty of (laughs) 9-11s. You know, I don't know. But the one... We could talk about the one where the two buildings blew up. We could talk about the one... Where the U.S. Uh, put a fascist into power in Chile, we could talk about the one that mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton did in Benghazi. <laughs> <laughs> the emails. <sighs> Hillary Clinton might as well have just killed everyone herself. Yeah, she was there <laughs> with a gun in Libya. <laughs> <laughs> it was Hillary. She was the one that burned down the house. No, all of those. Let's just, let's, we'll talk about all of them. But first, I like to talk about the bullshittery <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that is happening in the United States right now, which there's a lot to choose uh, from. We're, we're doing an update, a U.S. update. I don't want to think about we're doing the US, U.S. anymore. I know, but I I have so to live here. Tired of this so place. <laughs> Um, so as you may know, we... Just collapse, Freddie. (laughs) It would be great if it would, but it just, capitalism is just like this, this malnourished horse with three broken legs. It just like keeps doing it. (sighs) Anyway, here we have people taking, um, horse dewormer as a treatment for 
COVID. So that's just sweet ivermectin. <laughs> so we're doing really great. That's there. how you know the cube, the COVID's getting gone because I'm shitting out the inner lining <laughs> of my intestines. It's totally fine. It's they they prescribe ivermectin for humans, so you can just use the horse grade, and it's totally one hundred percent okay. Um, exactly the same. <laughs> Human and equine physiology, basically interchangeable. Mm-hmm. That's why... <laughs> I was going to make a fisting joke, but never mind. I'm, I'm stopping before I start. <laughs> <laughs> and we all appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for your restraint. But... <laughs> this mango locus came to my head. Oh my god. <laughs> Where you been, Loka? Um, that's from Twilight, everyone. So if you didn't know that reference, you're uncultured. Um I didn't. Um see? Uncultured. Damn. No, Texas. Texas is the problem. <laughs> Texas and their dumb new abortion law. You mean they've managed to figure out how to completely skirt their way around Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To to the extent that now if you get an abortion, um, you could be charged more severely than somebody who, who has raped someone. Um, so that's... Wild. Interesting. Yes. Don't you um, worry. It is, that is... I, it's common to other states. I can guarantee you. Well, that was my next point. Iowa, <laughs> we have a really, really good governor. Um, yeah, uh, she Kim Basinger <laughs> is <laughs> Miss Kimmy Reynolds. Um, uh, she <laughs> she is getting a group of her little minions to try to do a similar thing here in Iowa. It's kind of behind the scenes. Like, there's kind of, like, building up steam, but... It's on the DL. Yeah, but but it's happening. It's it's a coming. So, and then I realized... Oh, my gosh. The next thing that they're going to go after, if they can effectively overturn Roe v. Wade, is, like, LGBTQ plus rights. Like, that is going out the window. So, uh, it yeah. sucks. <laughs> We're gonna get. There's gonna be. There's gonna be some kind of insane bathroom laws being passed. I, I can see it. Ugh. I feel it. I just. It's listen. If you are scared of somebody pretending to be trans and coming into your bathroom, let's say you're you're afraid of somebody pretending to be trans, a trans woman coming into the bathroom and looking at you. What you are afraid of is a cisgendered man. <laughs> They're the problem. Yeah. Trans people are not the problem. <sighs> I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. Now tell me about 9-11. Let's just... <laughs> <laughs> now that we're all sufficiently depressed, <laughs> let's cheer ourselves up. To talk about 9-11, we really have to set up the long road to 9-11. Of course we do. How much do you know about Afghanistan? I, I don't really think that's something that can be quantified, but probably not as much Where as you Where is know it about on a map? Afghanistan. 
<laughs> I went to public school. <laughs> um, it's in the Middle East. Nailed it. A plus. Um, <laughs> so rather than go through the entire history of Afghanistan and the hilarity <laughs> that is the great game, we're going to skip forward to 1973. At the birth of the Republic of Afghanistan. Okay. So the Republic of Afghanistan was created in 1973 by a man named Dawood Khan. Okay. Who was a former prime minister and cousin to the king. Afghanistan? Who waited for the king to go to Italy for eye surgery and basically did a bloodless coup and was like, whoosh. Afghanistan is no longer a kingdom, we're a republic uh, now. Oh my god. I love a good coup. Don't worry, there's more. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, so, Daoud Khan kind of tried to be a reformist, but as with most things that come from centrists, nobody was happy, and the far left was pissed, and the far right was also pissed. In terms of far left and far right, what are we, what are our parameters? What are the parameters on Our parameters, like, far left, so far on right. the far left, you have the PDPA, which is like a Marxist-Leninist Soviet-aligned mm. party. Okay. On the far right, you have essentially, you know, your hardline Islamic fundamentalists which would be the Islamic Party, headed by a man named Golbuddin Hekmatyar, who's going to be important. <laughs> Say it one more he's time. going to keep showing up. And he's going... <laughs> His name's Golbuddin Hekmatyar. Okay. Got it. And uh, he will eventually, through the course of events, gain in the infamous nickname The Butcher of Kabul. Oh my god. Okay. So you can tell he's gonna be good. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the title of one of my true crime things. Uh, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> we are not licensed <laughs> clinical psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> but we have done a lot of research on it. But we do. <laughs> we have done a lot of research. <laughs> That is the only Love thing. Them. That is that is the only thing I remember from those fucking podcasts. It's the only joke They're I can so make. Good. <laughs> Greg and Vanessa, man, just killing it out there. So, uh, speaking of the PDPA, the mm-hmm. Marxist-Leninists, a prominent member was okay. assassinated. <laughs> now, Dawood's government oh, no. tried tried to blame the Islamic Party. And the aforementioned Butcher of Kabul. Future Butcher of Kabul. Uh, but nobody really believed him, and everyone basically thought that Dawood's government was responsible. Okay. Um, which kind of looks worse, especially since afterwards the government starts cracking down and arresting a shit ton of PDPA members. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that does look So, you know, bad. sounds pretty bad. So in 1978... Uh, a group of high-ranking military officers who were members of the PDPA organized a violent military coup that killed Daoud's entire family. <gasps> oh, 
just feel like he didn't deserve that. Sure. I mean... <laughs> Probably not. He was just like... He was just like a shit centrist. I mean, he did kind of fuck over his cousin. Yeah. The king. But... <laughs> oh, yes. But, like, it was, you know, bloodless, as you had said. <laughs> sure. That's fair. Um, but... <laughs> To try and defend this coup, it did lead to one of my favorite anecdotes that I've ever read in a history book. Oh, God. <laughs> Which was, as as the, the military officers were literally running tanks into the capital and shelling the building to shit, a... The, <laughs> One of the officers just saw this German businessman in a suit walking up to the building because he mm-hmm. didn't want to be late for his meeting, even though he could see tanks going in and uh. he saw the buildings being blown up. He was like, I cannot be late for my meeting. And the officer, who I need to tell you is part of this coup that's going on, is just like, sorry, that <laughs> meeting's canceled. And he had to go home all sad. And it's just one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I need to know more about this businessman. He's so good. (laughs) No, I have to go to my meeting. They're expecting me. It's in that building that's about to collapse because there's a tank running through the columns. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) Sometimes people respond to trauma in weird ways. No, no, no. My meeting is next door in the other room, not this room. This is the room where we're murdering the Khan family. I need the next door over. I mean, maybe, you know, German kind of used to things just. (laughs) Just having to drive your car to the capital, seeing what's happening and is like, well, this is unorthodox. <laughs> oh, well. He's the kind Time of worker. <laughs> it's just the most German thing I could ever imagine. <laughs> He's the kind of worker that my company wants me to be. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I'm not coming in. <laughs> I can't do that. I have a fever. This man would be like, no, it's fine. I'll be there early. I'll be there all day. It's cool. With the meetings across from a minefield? And I have to go through <laughs> the minefield. Okay, I'll go. Okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no worries. No worries. Yeah, I got this. It's fine. <laughs> so, <sighs> businessman aside, <laughs> this uh, bloody coup was known as the Sao Revolution and established the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. Mm. Okay. Now, uh, you know, you might think, hey, these are bad guys. They're doing bad things. I mean, kind of a mixed bag. So they their attempt at social reforms were far more uh, far-reaching than anything Khan had tried. Huh. They tried to do agrarian reform, land redistribution, women's rights, universal oh. suffrage, all implemented on a nationwide scale, which had never happened before. I do like that. However, <laughs> they did do, uh, there were a lot of cultural kind of attacks on traditional religious customs. They forced men to shave their beards. They had a heavy, heavy advocacy for atheism. <laughs> mm. 
Wait, which... wait, wait, wait. <laughs> these were... I think I'm confused. These are the leftists. These are these are the Soviets. Oh, okay. The Soviet party. <laughs> For some reason, I thought they were... Okay, because I was like, that doesn't make sense. That That does not follow. But this makes sense. Okay, gotcha. I'm back on board. <laughs> This this is this is on brand for Soviets. Big yeah. edge lord atheists also trying to do a lot of good stuff though. <laughs> Great. Okay. So this whole atheism business essentially made them people really distrust them outside of Kabul. In the in the rural regions, the more traditional areas, this new government was not seen particularly favorably despite their attempts at doing land reform. Yeah. Which did kind of help them. Uh, so the religious right, including Mr. Hekmatyar, mm-hmm. basically constituted these things as an attack on Islam itself. And uh, succeeded in kind of stirring up rebellion in a bunch of the rural regions. Mm. Uh, it's at this point where a horrible, disgusting beast comes into our story. Is it Donald Trump? Uh, no, his name's Zbigniew Br- uh, Brzezinski. Okay. Where's Better he known as Mika Brzezinski's dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Mika Brzezinski, best known as the woman that Donald Trump put on blast saying she got horrible plastic surgery. <laughs> In an amazing tweet. <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew it was going to come back second, to Donald Trump. Second best known as Morning Joe's wife. But frankly, first and foremost, she Mm -hmm. is the bad plastic surgery lady. (laughs) Okay, so her dad. Her dad was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. Oh, good. And like a horrible bloodhound of anti-communism, he could he could smell the blood in the water. And he got the president to sign off, sending $500,000 to these new mujahideen that were, that were starting to fight against the, uh, the Soviet-aligned government. Mm. Uh, predicting that U.S. involvement would prompt the Soviet Union to invade, luring them into a Vietnam-esque quagmire that would fuck them hard. <laughs> <laughs> And this prediction proved correct. Several weeks later, in December 1979, the Soviets invade. This whole war is considered a major factor in hastening the demise of the USSR. It's by no means the biggest or the only, but it is a contributing factor in the fall of the Soviet Union. And it wasn't just the US helping, but also Pakistani intelligence and Saudi intelligence. Mm. The desert border on the eastern half of Afghanistan, and into western Pakistan, is essentially largely indefensible. It's just a fucking desert with an invisible line going through it that divides the two countries. Hmm. Uh, And this is perfect. This is a perfect insertion point so that the US slash Saudis slash Pakistanis could train soldiers and then send them into the country to help the Mujahideen and these were largely Saudi recruits. Uh, you'll hear them commonly referred to as Afghan Arabs. Mm, okay. Uh, because they were not ethnically from Afghanistan. They didn't really have the same culture. 
but they were like doing it for Islam. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Because <laughs> you know, any any attack on Islam anywhere is an attack on everyone. It's like it's like NATO for Islam. <laughs> And among these young, idealistic Afghan Arabs was a rich Saudi boy named Osama bin Laden. Oh, no. Okay. Do I keep an eye on him? I think he's going places. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Somewhere. He's going somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Now, the U.S., in addition to funding... The training of the Mujahideen also famously provided many of the fighters with fucking stinger missiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a cause that was very publicly championed by Texas Congressman Charlie Wilson, notably played by Tom Hanks in the movie Charlie Wilson's War, a movie literally about the U.S.'s support for the Mujahideen. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever wanted, to, to watch Tom Hanks just fundraising for terrorism. That's a movie about that, and it's played as a beautiful patriotic thing. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> hilariously, hilariously, apparently in the original script for that movie, it was going to end literally with 9-11, but everyone was like, that's super bleak. <laughs> we're just going pre- to ignore the 9-11 bit and try to make this movie feel good. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. God. Here's something I don't understand. Mm. We, as a country, the United States, have Mm. really, really done a, you know, a a 180 on Islam from then to now. Because now (laughs) Islam is seen as this very nasty, awful, the worst thing ever. And yet, Mm. we were fighting for it, actively. I mean, I think you'll find a pretty solid uh, thing, especially in the 80s and 90s, where we side with some people to fight communism, and then immediately, like, fuck them over. Yeah, that sounds like us. Uh, I mean, literally, this is the same thing. That happened to uh, <laughs> Saddam Hussein. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, the CIA gave him the lists of, like, traitorous members of the Bath Party. Like, which he famously, like, he put all the members of the Bath Party in, like, a big fucking, like, auditorium cafeteria thing. And just had people lift, call out names. And they took them out back and fucking blew them up with grenades. Oh, my God. <laughs> And the CIA literally gave him those lists. Uh, the same what? with the same with Manuel Noriega, who is a story I'm going to talk about some other time because that is the greatest fucking thing. Oh my god! It's one of the in in a in a in a decade of absolute nonsense that is the nineties. Mm-hmm. The invasion of Panama may be the most insane fucking thing in the universe. I I might do that next episode. Because it's, it's wild. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. 
okay. I I cannot I cannot emphasize how insane that story is. Don't look anything up because I want to surprise you with it. Damn it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So they gave them stinger missiles. Charlie Wilson literally like lobbies in front of Congress and increases the CIA's budget for the Mujahideen. By tens of billions of dollars. Oh my god. (laughs) Now this move was extremely effective because it allowed the Mujahideens to shoot down a shit ton of Soviet helicopters. Something that Charlie Wilson wanted to do when he went into Afghanistan to visit the Mujahideen. We have pictures of it. He literally wanted to shoot down... (laughs) <laughs> a helicopter with a stinger missile. But there were none in the air that day, apparently, so he couldn't. Oh. <laughs> Sucks when your plans get ruined. Now, interestingly enough, when you look at the breakdown of where these stingers were going, you, you're starting to see kind of a, a break shift. It, not everyone who's fighting the Soviets is equal in the eyes of the CIA. The CIA definitely had a favorite child, and that favorite child was goddamn Golbudin Hekmatyar. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and and I mean Hakani, but mostly Hekmatyar, who are the far-rightists. Meanwhile, in the north, in the Penshir Valley, uh, this guy named Ahmed Shah Massoud was literally successfully fending off repeated invasions by Soviet forces on his own with essentially no help from the U.S. They gave him nothing and refused to give him any military aid. Uh, Hmm. But he was doing fine on his own. Uh, Interesting how we decided that this guy, who is a successful tactician, Mm -hmm. a very charismatic leader, we did not support this guy in favor of Gulputin Hekmatyar, a psychotic murderer. <laughs> it is interesting. Seems a little sus to me. It is sus. So, in 1989, Soviet troops withdraw, and the communist government of Afghanistan falls apart. Eventually, this entire thing breaks down. Gulbuddin makes a fucking beeline for the capital, but Masood beats him there and defends the capital from repeated assaults from Gulbuddin's forces this is where he gets his famous nickname the butcher of kabul whereas whereas masood's famous nickname is the lion of penshir which is a fucking that's a good one Mm -hmm. so the whole country's in a civil war right now (laughs) (laughs) yay and with the soviets out you've got all these afghan arabs they're jacked up on holy war uh, they're looking for new fronts to keep on fighting. So you'll see them break apart and form a bunch of splinter organizations, no longer just this vague Mujahideen. They're creating cells. Uh, one of the most famous ones was Al-Qaeda. Mm. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. What's... <laughs> they're, they're pretty obscure. You probably haven't heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I really like Al-Qaeda, but I'm more a fan of their older stuff when they were still part of the Haqqani network. (laughs) Name five of their songs. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a real fan. The Sudanese bombing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, 
attempted assassination of Hosni Mubarak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Soviets leave in 89. Uh, 1990, Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait <laughs> and purely accidentally makes the U.S. mad. <laughs> Literally, before he invaded, he he talked to, you know, U.S. state officials and was like, do you have any special interest in Kuwait? And he's, if, what if some stuff were to happen in Kuwait? And the U.S. <laughs> officials essentially were like, we don't care about Kuwait. Nothing that happens in Kuwait matters to us. So Saddam Hussein very rightly took that as, it's my time. <laughs> 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 Hell yeah. So he's like, we're going in, boys. And all of a sudden, George Bush is like, look at that madman. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? We just talked about this on the phone. <laughs> oh, dubs. <laughs> wait. This is H dub. This is H dub. Dubs, H dub. Okay. I was this like, is, wait, that's too early for dubs. Papa, Papa Bush. <laughs> Okay. So he invades Kuwait, and needless to say, uh, Saddam Hussein was not a Islamist. He was what what is commonly known as a pan-Arabist. So he believed in greater Arab unity, okay. uh, which surprisingly Islamists did not like. Hmm. <laughs> so they. <laughs> They saw his invasion into Kuwait as the potential first step that could result in him spreading pan-Arabism into Saudi lands and potentially pushing even further into Saudi oil fields. Mm. So Osama bin Laden goes to King Abdulaziz of Saudi Arabia and offers the services of the Mujahideen to defend Saudi Arabia. Abdulaziz says, no, I've already got the U.S. troops coming. It's fine. <laughs> I've got my own gang. <laughs> and <laughs> this was seen as a fucking huge betrayal. Like, Osama bin Laden is devastated. Oh, <laughs> gotta hurt. And, yeah, he, uh, he starts to uh, talk shit about the Saudi government. They're corrupt. They're money-loving. They're... Uh, dogs to the American Empire, all kinds of shit. Which, he's well. right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he goes into exile uh, to Sudan. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> How does one get exiled? Asking for a friend. I'm ready to be exiled. <laughs> <laughs> How do I... It seems like kind but of a I good time. I don't think... I don't think you choose to be exiled. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, I think it's up to the people who are exiling you. But, like, how does that process happen? Like, <laughs> you gotta go. Do like, they tell you where to go? They can. Like, there were, like, uh, the Palmer Raids in, like, 1919. The uh, U.S. government basically rounded up a fuck ton of, like, communists and literally just exiled them, shipped them to the newly created Soviet Union. Nobody wanted to go. Nobody wanted to leave the U.S. They were like, I want to, this is my country. The U.S. was like, no, you're communists, go! (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, fine. So he got exiled. <laughs> he did get exiled. He would eventually get his uh, <laughs> Saudi citizenship completely revoked. <gasps> Oof. So Sudan had just undergone a coup of its own and was now under uh, a pretty Islamist government. And they wanted Bin Laden's help kind of reorienting their society towards traditional values. Uh, we're going to see that doesn't go well. Uh, so, so back to, let's go back to, to, to Afghanistan for a second. All right. So back in the 80s, as part of their whole anti-Soviet Mujahideen supporting thing, the U.S. government, on its own dime, printed and distributed a ton of militant Islamic literature and pamphlets, <laughs> uh, many of which included pictures and passages that emphasized a special hatred towards foreigners invading Islamic lands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're so dumb. We're really dumb. <laughs> It's just that picture of Garfield looking at the sign with a, the the Garfield with a line through it, and he's like, "Huh, wonder who that's for." <laughs> <laughs> that's us. That is entirely us. Oh, we're Garfield. <laughs> so this literature spreads through the madrasas of Western Pakistan. And out west into the uh, Kandahar province of Afghanistan. Okay. And over a couple of years, it led to this loose movement of very highly religious men uh, who kind of devoted themselves entirely to study. They were notoriously like Volsel. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, and they were pretty unhappy with like the kind of attempts that were going on there was there there was an attempts at the all the different factions of the mujahideen coming together to create a coalition government and then it would collapse and they'd keep fighting they were pissed off they wanted a stable government they just wanted some goddamn islamic law <laughs> and nobody's delivering <laughs> uh so these men were known as the Taliban, or students. Huh, that's another it's another name that's unfamiliar to me. Yeah, yeah, that's literally what Taliban means. just means students. Or, yeah. <laughs> so, with a literal fuck-ton of Pakistani ISI assistants, uh, they kind of coalesced under the leadership of a man named Mullah Omar, or Muhammad Omar. They would call him Mullah Omar, because he was a mullah. And their numbers started to swell thanks to a pretty solid stream of refugees that were leaving Kabul and running away from the aforementioned butchery. Sure. <laughs> As one would do. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they came out east. They're like the Taliban are like, hey, we're coming to take over and we're really cool. And they're like, that sounds better than getting murdered. Uh, these poor people. Like, 
damn. I just, my heart. <laughs> just give them peace. Good lord. It's pretty bad. <laughs> So, in 1995, the Taliban fucking surged their way through uh, through Afghanistan, briefly held off once again by the intelligent fighting of Ahmed Shah Massoud. However, they a second offensive, they regroup the next year, and they force Massoud and his group, which now is known as the Northern Alliance, mm. and force them to retreat backwards into the Hindu Kush. Mm. So the Taliban basically have... Control of most, the majority of Afghanistan. Okay. So the Taliban are in, baby. <laughs> Meanwhile, back with our friend Osama. Things are not going great in Sudan. No. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of doing, you know, what they were asked to do, which is helping to reorient uh, Sudan towards a traditional society. They were mostly focused on attempting to spread the revolution north <laughs> into Egypt <laughs> by sure. doing a bunch of fucking public bombings and trying to assassinate politicians including President Hosni Mubarak. <sighs> the okay. man who will be taken out like 30 years later <sighs> So all the bombings and, you know, the murder and the death pretty solidly turned popular opinion in Egypt against the jihadists. <laughs> and the, the Sudanese were just like, oh, fuck. We're the hosts <laughs> to these assholes. We're hosting them. They're just... So the government is just like, get out. Go, 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 go. Damn it. Exile them. <laughs> Um, now, several sources state that the Sudanese government actually talked to the U.S. and offered to hand over Osama bin Laden, and for some reason they were just like, no. <laughs> They're like, I don't give a fuck. He's not my problem. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Bill Clinton's not here to start a war, he's just here to get his dick sucked. <laughs> Listen, in terms of presidents, at this point in time, I'll take it. Like, I don't, <laughs> as long as you're not just, like, <laughs> actively trying to invade other countries and getting people into a war that isn't even about what it, you said it was about. I, <laughs> if you're just here to get some play on the side, fine. Fine. So they get kicked out. Luckily, they get kicked out just about the time that the Taliban have established control of Afghanistan. So they're like, want to go there? Back to the old stomping grounds? And <laughs> so they do. And the Taliban, they, they don't really care. They don't particularly like them. They don't particularly hate them. They're just like, they're people. They're whatever. I'm, Busy trying to keep these girls from going to school. <laughs> <laughs> Damn women. Want to learn. <laughs> uh, so from their base in Afghanistan, the uh, Al-Qaeda plans the Kobar Tower bombings in Saudi Arabia. Which kind of is the first thing that put uh, Bin Laden like on the U.S.'s... The official U.S.'s radar as like, oh, this is a 
this is a guy. This is a, we found a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. Uh, and then <laughs> after that, I think two years later, 1998, the U.S. Embassy bombings in Dar es Salaam in Nairobi, Tanzania, and Kenya. Uh, simultaneous detonations at two different embassies in Africa definitively put bin laden on interpol's most wanted list now where he's making a name now we're in the biz Uh, i mean he also like kind of he's also like peripherally involved in like giving money to a bunch of other weird plots like ramzi yusuf's attempt to blow up the world trade center in 1992 or four Mm -hmm. uh as well as a very bizarre filipino plot to blow up a bunch of airliners over the u.s uh which did not go anywhere they they had no idea how in god's name they were ever going to coordinate like 30 airliners to just blow up sure well that would be (laughs) that's funny i mean it's not funny but it's it's funny um Okay. It has a very stupid name, and I can't remember what it is. <laughs> the plan? <laughs> uh, the Bojinka plot. That's what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you can't even name it well... Oh, f- <laughs> oh, oh they, also planned to, they also planned on murdering Pope John Paul II. I forgot that's an important part. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> So these airliners were going to explode over the United States? They were going to blow up 11 airliners that were in flight from Asia to the U.S. Okay. but With then, the goal of just murdering a bunch of people. Then they were and also... also somehow involved in that murder the Pope. <laughs> and also, also blow up the CIA headquarters. <laughs> I they kind like... of bit off a lot more than they could chew. <laughs> Hey, it's too much dip on that chip. Like, you need to do one thing. There's ambition. Okay, you can't you can't deny Khalid Sheikh Mohammed his ambition. No, you're right. And they, they told us, reach for the stars. You can do anything you put your mind to. But <laughs> if they had accomplished just one of those things, I would be a little more in- not impressed. Would have been a success. But, like, none of them. They didn't do any of them. I mean, you could just uh, probably be more accessible if you just combine them, like hijack the Pope's plane, crash yes. it into the CIA. Ooh. Boom, you've got like two out of three done. That would make a great movie. That would be a diehard <laughs> movie. <laughs> That's just Air Force One, except you replace Harrison <laughs> Ford president with arguably Harrison Ford Pope, which I would watch Harrison Ford Pope. Listen, that's the only Pope I would watch. Harrison Ford Pope. But, I want him to talk like Indiana Jones. I, nope. Just as the Pope. Oh, man. I need to I need to do more research. There's a lot of very funny stories about Harrison Ford and his many, many attempts to get high. Just always and everywhere. <laughs> Really? There's one there was one story, an anecdote I heard where he he had a bunch of like smoke that he had put it somehow into like a pot and he was just like huffing it <gasps> in the car on the way to go to the set. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> what? 
why? why? How did you get how did you get weed smoke into a pot and why were you hunting it? <laughs> Harrison Ford, I have so many questions. I just he was a celebrity. Like he could have just smoked pot. Like it's not <laughs> it's, It doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> Oh my god. I will never look at him the same. <laughs> Ever again. <sighs> uh, okay, okay. All right, okay, we're back. Okay. Um, <laughs> embassy bombings. Uh, most yeah. wanted list. Uh, so the Taliban were like, okay, this guy's doing some stuff. And they start talking with Saudi intelligence, the head of Saudi intelligence, Turkey Al Faisal. And they're like, hey, if you want to get this guy, you can come get this guy. <laughs> come pick him up. Uh. Um, however, they didn't get the chance to. Because Bill Clinton! <laughs> you're talking about, hey, he's he seems fine. <laughs> so, in response to the Dar es Salaam Nairobi embassy bombings, the Clinton administration responded... By bombing a bunch of Al-Qaeda bases in the coast province. Sure. Which would mark the first official U.S. uh, sank, like, legal, like everyone knew about it. A preemptive strike on a violent non-state actor. Which is a precedent and a horrible portent of things to come. (laughs) So what you're saying is... Bill Clinton officially, like, knocked over that domino. Yes. <laughs> so he wasn't just there to get his dick sucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. It gets worse. Because not only did he bomb a bunch of Al-Qaeda bases in the coast province, he also bombed a building in Sudan. Mm. Now... Their intelligence, and you can't see that I'm using air quotes, but intelligence, <laughs> said said that uh, this facility was had ties to the Bin Laden group and were secretly producing and storing VX nerve gas. Oh! <laughs> Good. Uh, as it would turn out, none of this is true. Oh, well, <laughs> sure. And, in fact, they had just bombed into non-existence a factory that was responsible for manufacturing over half of the country of Sudan's pharmaceuticals, including very important and life-saving malaria and diabetes medications. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Okay... And these two bombings by Bill Clinton seem to have caused the Taliban to have changed their minds. They're like, I don't, I know the Saudis are in, are friends with America, and America just did an absolute dick move. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna give them up. We're gonna we're gonna stick with these guys, <laughs> <laughs> which. I can't exactly fault them for that. That looks pretty bad. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. You're the worst. You are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So, meanwhile, during all this time, the Taliban tactically control the country, but there are still a bunch of tiny warlords uh, hugging onto their, their little piece of Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, the biggest thorn in their side was, of course, our boy, Ahmed Shah Massoud. <laughs> <laughs> now, they recognized that Massoud was a fairly popular dude. Sure. They recognized that he had that je ne sais quoi thing of leadership. You know, people liked him. So they had tried repeatedly to offer him the position of prime minister in return for just stopping this whole shit. (laughs) But Masood stuck firmly to his beliefs. He believed that a democratic Afghanistan was the only way for the country to become peaceful and stable in the long term, and that the Taliban had no intentions of creating a democracy. (laughs) No. Well, that, yes, correct. (laughs) So, he decided where the fight goes on. I kind of really like Uh, him. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, he, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm twisting this, but I, I like him. I, I think he's a pretty likable figure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I have a bit of a soft. I have a bit of a soft spot for Masood. Um, now, during this time, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, our boy, our sweet young, a young lad, who was took he he realized maybe I bit off a bit more than I could chew with the whole assassinate the Pope and blow up the CIA plot. Sure, he goes to Bin Laden with a new pitch. Like, Bin Laden during this time isn't really doing a whole lot of terroristing himself. He is basically just terrorist Shark Tank. Like, give me your pitch, maybe I'll give you money. Mm. And Khalid Sheikh Mohammed comes up with this idea to hijack planes on uh, simultaneously on the east and west coast and, like, crash them into public targets. Mm. And Bin Laden's like, yes, but let's refine it a little bit. You went a little crazy last time. <laughs> Scale it back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and fair. Like, fair criticism. <laughs> <laughs> it's, sometimes you need constructive criticism. It's that's really good. <laughs> I I'm just imagining Bin Laden as like one of those like coaches from like The Voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope that. Um, he had a panel that just, if he heard a good idea, slam that button down. His, his chair spins around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. What was that about the Pope, though? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> One quick thing. The Pope and the CIA at the same... Okay. (laughs) (sighs) So the plot now green-lighted. They start recruiting some some young lads living in Germany. Some some young lads ripe for jihad. Good. And almost immediately, German intelligence identifies all the hijackers. And in 1999, they pass off every single one of their names to the CIA. Oh, no. 
Damn now, it. by this point, the Clinton administration's pretty well aware that Bin Laden wants to do something involving planes in the U.S., <laughs> even if they're not sure about the details. Okay. Yet somehow, the, the for literally no reason, the hijackers, despite the fact that the CIA knows who they are now, all easily procure visas to get into the U.S. That's fascinating. Now, contrary to... Like a, a, a weird myth that went on after 9-11. They did not get in on student visas. There was a big, like, freak out that we needed to crack down on student visas for foreigners. <laughs> because allegedly that's how they got in. No, most of them just got in on tourist visas and, like, kind of ditched. <clears throat> yeah, well that sounds like some xenophobic shit that I would expect from my country, so. Absolutely. <laughs> so that makes sense. So, in two, April of 2001, Ahmed Massoud gives a speech in Belgium asking for support and material assistance for the resistance fighters in Afghanistan. And in it, he publicly emphasizes the danger of a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. Oh, hey. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, British intelligence also repeatedly warned the now newly- uh, elected Bush administration mm. of a, some credible evidence for such a threat. In mid-2001, an FBI agent named John O'Neill publicly resigned from the FBI after, he said, repeated attempts to warn them about the threat of an Al-Qaeda attack, which had literally been his area of specialty. Like, that's the thing he's mm. the guy on. They went completely ignored, and any attempts on his own to further investigate them were repeatedly blocked by higher ups. <sighs> but don't you worry. I know you're worried. The guy's he just walks away from the FBI. Don't worry. About a month later, he gets a new job. What was his new job? I'll tell you his new job. He was the new head of security. For the World Trade Center. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey. (laughs) His his body was later discovered in the rubble of a staircase in the South Tower. Oh, I'd be so mad. I hope his ghost haunts. It's a fucking hell of a thing. Oh, my God. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> it's how like did we, like did we want this to happen like did we did we want it to happen my like a lot of people have you know the 9-11 was an inside job inside theory. job yeah like the, there's a lot of different versions of it too which is why I hate that people just kind of like assume if you say 9-11 was an inside job they, like, jump to the craziest version and assume that you're, like, right uh, a delusional psychopath. There are many different versions and layers of it with varying degrees of probability and plausibility. Well, I'm the... of the opinion that we that the elements of this government knew and actively planned around it. Like, they didn't try to stop it, but rather they're like, okay, when it happens... What do we do to maximize effectiveness of our response? Right. Which is why things like the Patriot Act just fucking 
whooshed out of the fucking ether. This giant fucking stack mm-hmm. of documents. Mm-hmm. Like, where did that come from? It's huge. It, yeah. The, the, the sheer preparedness of the neocons in the Bush administration makes it incredibly suspect. As lo- along with a whole bunch of other shit that I'm going to get into. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Okay. Ready. So, um, a bunch of the flight instructors from the various flying schools that uh, the hijackers started to train at uh, all contacted the FAA and to report suspicious behavior. Uh, none of it was ever investigated. <laughs> oh no. Of course not. Saddest of all, two days... Before the 9-11 attack, September 9th, 2001, Ahmed Shah Massoud was assassinated via motorcycle by the Taliban. (sighs) Okay, I have something to confess to you. Uh Uh-huh. I looked up pictures (laughs) of him. Uh Uh-huh. And like, that's a pretty good looking guy. (laughs) (laughs) like you know if i was swiping on tinder and he like yeah (laughs) got a great smile great teeth i wow (laughs) rest in peace so you're probably wondering, where did they get all this money for this operation? And the answer <laughs> comes from 50-50. One is Bin Laden, but Bin Laden also didn't have that much money. Bin Laden got most of his money from Pakistan. Yeah. And it's argued by many people, it's hard to prove this because of the very nature of the relationship, it's argued that Pakistan gets most of its money from the CIA. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So, while the official agencies of the United States were doing fucking nothing. Fuck shit. Absolutely goddamn nothing. (laughs) uh, There were people doing things. The problem is those people were on the stock market. Oh. Okay. So, the the movements of the stock market in the months leading up to 9-11, have been repeatedly studied by multiple economists from around the world, and multiple peer-reviewed studies have concluded that an unusual amount of short-selling began to occur in the aviation and insurance sectors months before the attack, suggesting a foreknowledge by a number of private investors placing bets on airline stocks and insurance stocks going fucking nosedives. So, so they people knew? made a lot of money. Huh. It would plausibly seem that way. We cannot prove it, mm. but it sure looks suspicious and is incredibly, like, out of the normal standard variation. Yeah. <clears throat> also, in June of 2001, the all five World Trade Center buildings had just been purchased and resold to a man named Larry Finkelstein. And when he purchased it, he took out a $3.55 billion insurance policy on those buildings. Interesting. And when the September 11th happened, he tried to... 
<laughs> he tried to claim in court that because two planes hit two separate towers, that each of those should be considered a separate incident, meaning he should be paid out seven billion instead of three point five billion. <laughs> I hate people. I hate people. Uh, after all of that, de- ugh. <laughs> He's the worst. I hate him. Well, it took he he ate up years of legal bickering with the insurance companies, clogging the courts, but eventually they split the difference and he walked away with just shy of four point six billion dollars. What did he do with that money? Who knows? Give it to the families of victims or Now, I'm not going to talk about the actual events of the day. I think that the actual timeline of the events of the day are so hard to parse Mm -hmm. that I think it's impossible for us to get an accurate uh, understanding of everything that was happening across all the different avenues. Now, immediately after the attacks, the U.S. starts a bombing campaign in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Taliban try to negotiate. They actually start to negotiate with the U.S., saying that if the saying that they would basically hand over Bin Laden to a neutral third-party country for prosecution, if the three things: one, the U.S. shows them proof that it was actually Bin Laden who was responsible for the attack. Hmm. Already a hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two. Stop fucking bombing us. <laughs> Pretty reasonable. And three, officially acknowledge the Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan, which formerly the U.S. had not done and still hasn't done. I'm assuming that we did not accept these terms. The U.S. did... I, that first one's pretty hard. Yeah. It's pretty hard. <laughs> Giving them proof... That Bin Laden was responsible. Not a thing we could do, mostly because we're fucking assholes. <laughs> Is this where uh, we don't negotiate with terrorists came from? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, <laughs> so the Bush administration had already pushed through uh, the authorization for use of military force against terrorists, which officially created the war on terror and allowed them to do whatever the fuck they want as long as it was against terrorism. Great. Good. Anyone that was involved, military had carte blanche to do whatever they want as long as it involved capturing the guys that did the, the 9-11. So did they, did, a, did they do an internal inspection about all the ways that we had funded and... And, and abated, I guess, um, these efforts. and Abetted. And pu- abetted, not abated, abetted. Um, thank you. I went to public school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these... I study linguistics. I, I'm a linguist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Noam Chomsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. I could. We could go on forever about no. Anyway, <laughs> it's not the point. Did, did, was anybody within the United States held responsible? I know the answer to this question. Was anybody in the United States held responsible for 
our involvement in the creation of this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... Fuck no. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, military, huge, huge leeway, thanks to the AUMF. Mm. The, The war on terror is on. However... Not fucking enough. They need more power, more control that centralizes power on military intelligence agencies and the executive office of the of the, the United States. So, while the AUMF passed with essentially literally no objections, it passed unanimously. Yeah. The other thing that they had introduced, the much longer, more obtuse, and potentially incredibly fucking dangerous Patriot Act was seeing a lot of pushback from Congress, who felt like they needed time to actually read the fucking pages and understand it. Yes. Meanwhile, a miracle, a miracle from the heavens comes down for the fucking United States war machine. Okay. And that miracle is anthrax. God. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, anthrax. Now, 9-11 is a complicated story. There are people who believe the official 9-11 report about what happened. There are people with varying degrees of doubt. There are people who believe wildly outlandish theories about missiles being flown into the Pentagon. Mm. Or Israel doing it. Yeah, there are some people that think... that, that there weren't actually planes, that they were actually missiles in the shape of planes. That were carrying people? They don't believe that there were any people. Are these people also flat earthers? Some of them. But like, yeah. like there are the outlandish theories and then there are the very plausible theories. But once again, there's no real hard evidence to say one or the other. I lean towards doubting the official story, but keeping it within the realm of plausibility. Yeah. I believe they were ensured to happen for effectiveness that would allow them to do things like this, for reasons I'll get into later. So, the 9-11 attacks are are a gray area. You can believe they were an inside job, you can not believe they were an inside job. And you would have justification to believe both. I argue that there is... Fucking zero room for any doubt that the anthrax attacks were entirely orchestrated by the U.S. government. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're so fucking bizarre. So, first, let's start with the first wave of anthrax attacks. So the first wave of anthrax attacks were sent in letters uh, that were postmarked to Trenton, New Jersey, which is a strange choice. And they were sent to a number of news organizations. They were sent to the headquarters of ABC, CBS, NBC, the New York Post. All of those are in New York City, right? Mm. But also they sent one to the headquarters of The Sun, which is the same outlet that produces the National Fucking Enquirer. Love it. In Boca Raton, Florida. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know that the National Enquirer was based in Florida, but that makes so much sense now. Absolutely is, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, does any of those, uh, any one of those seem odd to you? (laughs) Yes. Mm. (laughs) 
So, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, New York Post, yeah. these are all fairly well-established, well-known, nationwide, trusted organizations. What are you saying? Are you saying that the, the National Sun, Enquirer and the I'm, Sun I are not? I might be saying that Bat Boy is not real. Hmm. And that Elvis did not, in fact, marry Bigfoot. <laughs> well, that we will agree to disagree, I guess. Now, you know, it might seem odd to include The Sun with all these prestigious news organizations that do capital J journalism. But what makes it a little less strange, or more strange, is the fact that the editor of The Sun has a wife named (gasps) Gloria Irish. A wife. And that wife is, in fact, a real estate agent. She is, in fact, the real estate agent who leased the apartments to the 9-11 hijackers when they were staying in Florida. (laughs) Gloria. (laughs) Is she still alive? She is still alive, I believe, yes. Because, like, how would you feel? You know, like, you have to go... For the rest of forever, knowing that. <laughs> now, this is just phase one, and I'm arguing from a perspective of this is absolutely false flag. So you first hit the media. This causes the media to do what they do and freak the fuck out. Yep. This is why the anthrax scare was so big, was because it hit the news first. The news freaked the fuck out about it, caused a big stir, did endless night and day coverage about the anthrax attacks, which caused a massive wave of fear throughout the US populace. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. second I... we gotta we gotta we gotta do a one two punch. Oh no. So the second wave targeted politicians. Notably <gasps> the Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle and the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Patrick Leahy. Interesting. So the people who were wanting to, like, pause on this whole Patriot, yep. Patriot Act thing? hmm Wild. That is crazy. So, with, with the anthrax attack and the massive public freakout that happened, not only because of the media, but because of... Uh, the fake copycats where people were just mailing flour to other people and the attacks on the politicians, this gave the Patriot Act the just the push it needed to pass through Congress, regardless of the consequences. Oh my god. Uh... Now, interestingly enough, anthrax and the way it's created has a kind of uh, markers that you can essentially look at and figure out where did this came from, this, the way that it was derived. Sure. Now, there is a huge anthrax archive that catalogs all these different strains. Mm-hmm. It's actually located in Iowa State University. <gasps> we did it! Iowa is important, everyone. We... <laughs> we this anthrax archive would have allowed us to look at the uh, anthrax used in the attacks mm-hmm. and figure out exactly where the funk it came from. Sure. 
Unfortunately, literally the week before the anthrax attack started, the FBI and the CDC gave the green light for Iowa State University to destroy the anthrax archive. <laughs> damn it. Damn it, damn it. We had one chance to be the hero. Oops! <laughs> Oops! Oh. Guess we'll never know where that fucking anthrax came from. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> why? Why did they want to get rid of it? Good well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I understand why they wanted to get rid of it. I mean, <laughs> why was Iowa State University trying to get rid of it? That's what that I don't know. Grand question. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> but like the FBI, I one hundred percent understand why they would want to get rid of it. <laughs> it's funny. We just destroyed the Anthrax archive, and now we have to do. Now the FBI and the CDC have to also work together on the investigation into these Anthrax attacks. <laughs> I guess we just oopsied real oh. hard this week. <laughs> with everything I know about. However, there is there is some information to be gleaned from looking at the anthrax that was used in those attacks. The kind that was used in those attacks and the grade and purity that was used limits it to only about 19 locations. Okay. Three of those locations are, I believe, Sweden, UK, and Canada. Right. The other 16 are all located in the U.S. and are all controlled by the U.S. government. <laughs> so you're saying it came from Canada. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. The, <laughs> no, it's the Swedes. The Swedes <laughs> did this. <laughs> the Swedes did 9-11. And anthrax. The Swedes did 9-11. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now... To finish this off, I have one last thing. Have you ever heard of the theory of the unitary executive? No. The, unitary, the theory of the unitary executive is a f- political theory that was embraced largely by the neoconservative movement. Yeah. And so you have the original way that the government is structured in the U.S., right? You have three, uh, three branches. Mm-hmm. With the checks and the balances and the, the yeah. Yes. In quotes. Checks the unitary, the unitary executive proposes an alternate theory. What if we just fuck all that and all power goes to the executive? Oh, so that's what we're doing then. That's where we're at. That is essentially been the goal of the neoconservative movement since the 80s. Guys like Paul Wolfowitz, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, all of them believe in this theory of power. And they specifically outlined their vision for it in a document called Project for a New American Century. Hmm. Okay. And with 9-11, they managed to essentially let all of their dreams come true. And this has been, I think, something that we all kind of understand, but the specific ideological underpinnings of what they wanted publicly and what they did in a very short amount of time, 
leads me to believe that they had these plans ready and raring to go and were waiting in the wings looking for the perfect opportunity to use them when 9-11 came up on their radar puns uh, <laughs> they they saw it for the golden opportunity that it was I, it it just seems to me and this is just you know an outsider's view looking in um that this whole unitary what was it executive yep it feels like a dictatorship why you would be correct <laughs> just <laughs> so this doesn't really how are we doing this and democracy We don't have a democracy. Well, I mean, absolutely not. But in, you know, so, the American <laughs> idealist, d- democratic thing, this doesn't fit into. Like, like politicians and like the, the, the people don't really think about the, this as a major factor in why our country is the way it is. It, the, like people look at the gridlock of, of Congress and they'll blame things like hyper-partisanship and like, oh, people aren't reaching across the aisle and something-something populism. But the, the real heart of that is the fact that with the AUMF and the Patriot Act and the creation of what I would call a unitary executive state, the role of the other branches have essentially come to nothing. Yes. I, like they're just there to keep us busy, <laughs> occupied, like and distracted. Is what how I feel. like what I hate it. Like, <laughs> like the Republican Party seems to have been the first to embrace this new reality and understand how to operate within it. Um insofar as, you know, they can get things done when their favorite politicians in power. Mhm. Uh, the, when whenever a Republican's in office, they push through a shit ton of legislation, usually very very harmful. Yeah. And then when inevitably that comes to bite them in the ass, the Democrats take power, who spin their wheels because the Republicans realize that they can just be intransigent and not reach across the aisle. Yes. And that uh, if the Democrats fail to fix things, which they inevitably will fail, there's only one way to punish the Democrats. It's voting for the fucking Republicans. <laughs> Democrats are like the weakest link. <laughs> I, I, because first of all, there's not really that big of a difference between Republicans and Democrats in this country. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very, uh, like, superficially different. And so there's no conviction. There's like, rep- Republicans have this deep conviction to, like, do these things that are awful, you know. But, like, Democrats are like, oh, no, stop. Like, they're just... (laughs) Like, the Republicans are perfectly willing to ram through a bunch of, like, uh, undemocratic legislation and, like, just bang things through Congress without, like, you know, the proper channels. But, like, the, the Democrats are so careful about it and even when they are careful about it, the Republicans fucking 
hit the shit out of them. Yes. Like, the the way that Obama handled passing Obamacare legislation was unbelievably care, like careful and yeah. like overly charitable to the Republicans to the point where he had a popular mandate. He had a Democrat controlled mm-hmm. Congress. He could have done whatever the fuck he wanted with Obamacare. But they're so concerned about being portrayed as yes. you know, uncivil and undemocratic. But they're going to call you that anyway, because that's literally what they did, even despite all the care right. that Obama took in trying to make it look good. I feel like Democrats are just so performative. And yes, it's all about the perception and all that kind of shit. But like, yeah, I don't know. I thought about that recently with Biden being like, yeah, I'm not going to forgive student debt on a large scale unless there's bipartisan support. And I'm like, so you're saying you're not going to do it. hearing like you could you could do this and you just won't (laughs) cool like the 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 like the democrats are the cops that will show up 20 minutes late after you've been robbed uh look around for two seconds and then just like you know Mm -hmm. lift their lift their shoulders and be like "Eh, i don't know what to do and the republicans are the cops that will show up and shoot your dog (laughs) <laughs> Which one do you want? I don't know. They're both pretty fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. Who was was it? Was it Kiki Palmer? Somebody was like, you know, <laughs> somebody's gonna, they're going to shoot you in the head, but this other person's going to shoot you in the leg. I'd rather be shot in the leg. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I would. I would. I wouldn't because getting shot in the head would just be a very quick death. I would argue the Democrats are getting shot in the leg. The Republicans are getting shot in the stomach and bleeding out over 12 hours in constant agony. (laughs) Oh, that gave me a lot of pleasure to hear that. And I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to cover the entire cultural uh, thing that happened with, you know, Canceling the Dixie Chicks because they didn't like going into Iraq, <laughs> which was a whole fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, or the or the whole Freedom Fries debacle. I was gonna say you have to bring up the Freedom Fries. That was the like, best okay. part. I have a I have a you know controversial take. I understand it. I get it. I do too, but it's just funny. Freedom like, Fries. Like it's like imagine you have this friend. And this friend loves to fucking get drunk. Every single night they're getting drunk. And you one one day you go up to them and you're like, I, I want to get drunk now. It's my turn. Hey, you want to get drunk with me? And they're like, no, nah, I don't feel like getting drunk right now. And it's like, what? You literally do this all the time, friends. You don't want to murder brown people today. Today of all days, you don't want to murder brown people. It is hurtful. It's like a betrayal. It does. It does feel hurtful. It's just that we reacted in the most immature... There are so many things that have French in front of them. <laughs> I was there when you were getting drunk and throwing up outside of a car when you were, you know, carpet bombing <laughs> Algiers. But, oh no, now you don't want to get drunk with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, France. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile... um. I'm not going to talk about Iraq either. If you want Iraq, 
there is a, a fantastic podcast, season one of Blowback. It's an amazing podcast. Much better than this one. <laughs> Go listen to that. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Sounds so good. But meanwhile, in Afghanistan, today, mm. with billions of dollars spent by our government, <sighs> hundreds of thousands dead after 20 years of straight of war, mm-hmm. the country of Afghanistan is right back to where it was before. The Taliban Mm -hmm. have taken control over a majority of the country. The Northern Alliance rebels are back to fighting on the fringes, this time being led by Ahmed Shah Massoud's son. I saw that when I was looking up pictures. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. Nothing has changed except a lot of dead people and a lot of profits for some weapons manufacturers, an entire generation of people growing up knowing nothing but war. And an America that finds itself completely broken and unable to grapple with the reality of any situation. Mm -hmm. This is what 20 years of war buys you. (sighs) (laughs) There are times when I'm like, every country has bad things that they've done. You're not going to find a country that has never had a bad thing happen or, or, or a politician. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, politics are everywhere. People have agendas. But mm. there are just so many days of my life that I just am so ashamed of <laughs> being in this, like, just being here. And I, I, I didn't choose it, granted, <laughs> If I could go back and not be born, obviously that would be my choice, but... Preferable. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Here we all are, alive, because our parents don't believe in abortion. So, I... But, like, I don't know. It's just a lot. We're just bad. We've done so many bad things. I, I just want there to be a reckoning. Well... I mean, if you look at the history, you had the the British invade Afghanistan, mm-hmm. early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Two years later, their entire empire falls apart. 1990s, Soviets invade Afghanistan. Two years later, their entire country falls apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have just left Afghanistan. Give it two years. We'll see where we're at. I, the other day, was watching some stuff about, like, the women in Afghanistan. And it just, all the work that they've done, taken in hours, gone. Gone. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do what-ifs. I genuinely think that Ahmed Shamasud could have united the entire country. I and think probably so. brought a much more stable and arguably even more like uh, at, at the very least open to speaking with the West country than the Taliban. Uh, he probably would have been pretty nationalistic. He always seemed to have that way, and he did. He did believe in Islamic law, just he wasn't like a hardline fundamentalist, right? I yeah. I think it could have been something. I, I 
kind of believe Shamasud was the lost leader that could have been. You know, much like much like Sun Yat-sen, much like Muhammad Mossadegh, people of singular charisma that have the ability to unite disparate groups into a cohesive whole are very rare and they also get murdered a lot which seems to be a recurring theme <laughs> turns out well we've we've come to the part where i just question why i'm a part of this podcast <laughs> i'm just so sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah but just the Bojinka plot. <laughs> that is going to carry me through. <laughs> also, uh, apparently, like a bunch of people when they were reporting on this, they didn't know what Bojinka was, and I don't think it actually means anything. Oh, it's Arab. <laughs> oh no, it's Tagalog. Oh, that makes sense. Um, uh, people thought it meant uh, people thought Bojinka was like <laughs> Croatian for. Big Bang. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which, not to tie it back to, to tie it back to K-pop. Uh, if Big Bang renamed themselves to Bojinka, I think that would be a solid move. <laughs> banga, banga, banga. Love that. Bojinka, jinka, jinka. <laughs> I think it would really um, kind of heal the wounds that Big Bang has now with all their scandals. I think if they would just... I do not... I do not know how well it would play in the Philippines. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. That... Maybe... Well, for for that group, we'll just do it different. To be fair... To be fair, certain parts that were, like, pro-Busayaf, they'll probably love it. They'll be like, they're the boys! (laughs) 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 Other parts of the country, not playing so well. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I just want to know what it means. How do I find what it means? What, Bojinka? Yeah. 48 <laughs> hours of terror. <laughs> this was all supposed to happen within 48 hours. Yeah, it was going to be like a two-day show in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) The only fatality resulted from a test bomb planted by Yusef on Philippine Airlines. Scared one person and injured ten others. That's, I mean, I'm very, that's very sad to that person and the injuries. Like... I do like I do like the ideation portion. It says Yusef thought of several ways to kill the president, including placing nuclear bombs on Clinton's motorcade route, firing a Stinger missile at Air Force One or the presidential limousine, launching theater ballistic missiles at Manila, or killing him with phosgene, a chemical weapon. <laughs> he la- he abandoned the idea as it would be too difficult to kill the president. However, he incorporated his plan to kill the Pope into the. President, President Clinton, too hard. Pope JP, too, I'm coming for your ass. Oh, he was going to be in the Philippines. Yeah. That makes more sense. In my mind, he was just doing his thing. 
And they were like, we're going to go <laughs> go into the Vatican, boys. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. Ooh. All right. Well, I think that's, I think we've got a solid job for today. We've come up with the future of Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Did it. Talked about sex crimes. <laughs> Talked about sex. killing the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Another successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I guess that's it. How do we end this? We Fuck. just usually say bye. It's been like 10 months. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. no, we say sometimes about our handles, but I, uh, I'm not. Fuck Twitter. Yeah, I don't. I won't. Don't at me at Twitter. Don't, don't perceive me on Twitter. Don't anything. <laughs> don't perceive me, period. That is, stop listening to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. Роскомздрав не запретит. Simple, 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 simple,